The best chats are always the unscripted ones. There are interesting stories all around us, and here's one of them. Open your eyes, spectacular's right in front of you. <laughs> oh yeah, this is totally unscripted, so we never know where this is going to go. Dangerous. This is the unscripted perspective, Turn the volume and off. here's your host, Phil Parker. Phil Parker. Phil Parker. Phil Parker. Well, hello, hello, hello. It is another episode of the Unscripted Perspective. As scheduled every week, I try and make it every week now because I've been gone for so long and now I'm back and I'm able to produce. Thank God COVID is over. Today, or this evening, I should say, I have a wonderful guest, um, Stephanie Chan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here. Now, what's special about you, Stephanie, is you've had a long career in so many different industries now mm-hmm. that um, we're, we're going to touch on on some of those points. But um, uh, the most impressive thing to me is that you're 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 basically in the caregiving industry right now, um, mm-hmm. which um, some people are struggling with finding care. Some people just don't know how to navigate. It's it's a very, very big topic. Um, it's become more prevalent because of COVID, because I think it was highlighted even more because we were kind of all alone for such a long time. Um, so we're definitely going to touch on all of that. Um, but Stephanie, tell us a little bit about your backstory, kind of where you've come from, where you are, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Sure. So I have kind of an interesting origin story where I had a uh, big career change. So I started off, um, went to university here in Vancouver, um, got a law degree and practiced law for nine to 10 years um, and decided to leave cold turkey. So what happened was I decided early on um, that it wasn't going to be what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, I thought, well, I just put myself through law school. I should really give it a fair shot. And so I practiced corporate and securities law at a law firm. And then I went in-house at a clean tech company. And then after nine years or so, I decided it was time. And around the time I was thinking about what would be worthwhile to leave law for, I um, this idea came to me about helping seniors. And it felt really right. And I thought if I could create a model where I could help people individually as opposed to helping companies and, you know, make a a living out of it. um, It just felt like intangible forces were kind of pushing me down this path. And so I somewhat naively uh, quit law cold Turkey and um, thought everything would be just hunky dory. And the first few years were just a nightmare. It was so hard. Um, harder than you could imagine and what I would wish upon anyone and um, but got through it and here we are two businesses later it's it's an incredible um, it's an incredible story just because um, as you said you know you were you were practicing law um, you were pretty successful at it um, and you you made the leap which is um, Pretty, pretty daunting. I don't know if anyone has ever changed a job or decided to change career, but it is not an easy thing to do mentally or physically, quite honestly, um, because nobody prepares you for what comes next. And um, you, you've you've embraced that change, however difficult it was, and here we are today. So it's a, uh, it's um, it's it's very very impressive. Um, what was what was the thing that kind of drove you to really make that change? I know it, we, you kind of touched on it. You, you wanted to help people, but um, for for me, you know, my my parents are getting older in years. Um, you know, uh, COVID really did uh, hit home um, a lot of the pain points of of age, and uh, for me, for my parents, it's it's always hard when you're when you're the child and you're thinking about mortality of your, 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 your parents, cause it's a scary thing. You don't ever want to lose your parents. Um, but, um, COVID really woke that up for a lot of people. Um, for me, I moved internationally. I moved from Vancouver, Washington, 
all the way to Ireland and was basically in Ireland for two years because um, for loads of different reasons. But the main reason was we wanted to come and uh, kind of help um, my parents navigate that. They wanted it also. There was a plan to move to the UK uh, and and all that kind of stuff just to um, be closer to family. But COVID just threw a wrench in all of that plan. And so you're navigating the world of COVID with people who don't know. There's not a lot of resources, you know. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what woke it up for me. But like you, you, you just decided law wasn't your thing and just, Hey, let's go, let's go help people. It was really around finding a passion because I really didn't have a passion for practicing law. It was exciting. I think a lot of careers are exciting in like, let's say the first five years, because every day you're learning something new, you might be working on really exciting projects. You're being challenged. Um, There's a certain novelty and a learning experience that makes everything exciting, but then you kind of plateau. And then I think in, you know, many industries, once you kind of plateau, you have to really enjoy what you're doing. And for me, I just, I just didn't. And so for me, it was not so much a personal story of being triggered by a family experience. um, But it was more around finding a passion around um, what drives me as a person, because I'm going to spend, you know, so many hours in my week, my month, my years working that I want to do something meaningful and I want to do something that has a meaningful impact on someone else. And that, while it sounds so simple, it actually took me a while to figure that out, that what drives me is having a meaningful impact on others. And, um, I use that metric now to actually uh, use as a test to decide what projects I'm going to be a part of, not just professionally, but in my volunteer work and just in my life generally. Um, I mean, it's a great mantra. Um, To be honest, it's, uh, I I personally, it's like, it's similar to what I I try and adopt is um, have a little grace. Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a lost art for some people people would forget that you know sometimes you have to have a little grace um yeah but for me i think the biggest thing um that strikes me about your story is that you know you you've done something that a lot of people are just afraid to do they feel stuck Mm. in their career because they've been doing it for so long um it's hard to fill out a resume and say hey yeah i've been doing um retail for 15 years of my life I actually want to be an electrician or something maybe mm-hmm. not something so specialized but it's a big step it's a big it's really scary um yeah. you know I've been in business management for I'd say a good 15 15 or more years and um is it something that I always want to do or thought I'd be doing for the rest of my life probably not um but um, I found I found a way to navigate my career and find a, a position or a company that really kind of resonates with me. So um, I've kind of satisfied the itch for for now. But um, yeah. you know, everyone has a dream job. I mean, my my dream job when I was growing up was at one point I was going to be an astronaut. Then the next minute I was going to be um, actually I, I've. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, I did it for six or seven years. Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't that good at it, I guess, is the (laughs) best way to do it. Um, A former stand-up comedian is like saying a failed stand-up comedian in the same language. It's like a a refuse collector is a garbage man. It's just a nicer way of saying it. Um, But, you know, um, what I I awoke in myself is the the love of entertainment, um, the love of creating, and this is why I have a podcast. This is why I'm, you know, I'm writing a children's book. This is why, you know, all the, all these little things. But I think for people much like yourself, it's finding a way to satisfy that itch. Yeah. You just decided, <laughs> screw it. I'm going to do over. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to just change my career altogether. 
Well, I love talking to people about career change because I like talking to, I mean, I could talk about it all day and I love talking to different groups about it because um, you touched on so many things that I agree with. Um, first and foremost, I think it's around having the mindset and the confidence that you can do anything you put your mind to. And so many people I know, um, especially ones in very specialized careers where you, like you, like I went to law school, you have to have a degree here first. Um, to get into law school. So you're basically in school for seven years and then it's quite a big expense. And then you think, oh, some people say, and you threw that all away to start a business. But um, I don't see it that way. And so for people who feel like they're stuck, stuck is a really good word. So if they feel like stuck because they've invested so much of time, energy, money into one profession and they almost feel pigeonholed or trapped. Um, I wish there was a way I could give everyone the confidence that you can do anything that you put your mind to. And um, of course you have to consider your life circumstances. Um, to be honest, if I was a single mom at the time with kids, probably would not have left law because I would have felt like a sense of responsibility I happen to be at a point where I had no huge obligations or anyone relying on me. And so I could do it. Um, for those that don't feel like they can make 100% of a leap, I think there's different ways. Like you have found a way to um, nurture this need to want to entertain people um, on like through a side um, thing. And I, so I think for people who have an interest in doing something else, there's always a way to kind of satisfy that curiosity or satisfy that desire to do something else. Right, 100%. I mean, um, what you said is 100% true. You know, you it's very situational. Everyone um, feels either trapped or stuck based off of their situation. Um, there's parents who you know would have loved to have gone down a different path or tried a different career i mean not even i can tell you straight out of the gate i was going to do it i was very into it i met um a very very good uh friend of mine now i uh who i've actually lost contact with but he um he pings me every now and again but it was you know, it was somebody that just really piqued my interest in a certain subject. Uh, he, he said, you know, you need to go and study this. Um, you can do IT security. It's the way to go. Um, entry level is this amount. And I'm in my head the whole time. I'm just thinking, that's not enough money. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really pigeonholing yourself into a career that, um, not so much traps you because being stuck or being trapped like says that you there's just no way out it's um if you want something bad enough there's nothing that can stop you because at the end of the day um uh i was literally um in my previous podcast i was having the same conversation about musical artists who are successful and those who are not um if you give yourself an a second option or a safety net, then you're probably going to hit that safety net because mm -hmm. there is another option. But if the only option is success, then you're more likely to, to succeed because mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where the only way I'm going to be able to put food on the table and do what I want to do and provide for my family is to be successful. Right. That's so you're forcing yourself to be successful. Yeah. It's a mindset and it's a, it's a psychological thing, but a lot yeah. of people trap themselves psychologically into believing there is no other way. Right. And so they're, they're working this nine to five job that they hate, or um, if they're lucky, they have a nine to five job. <laughs> um, uh, they're working this job that they hate and it's, it's, it's trapped them. They feel in something that, just because yeah. they they want to provide for their family. And I think yeah. uh, it's really even more so economically now. That's where we are as a, as a nation, as, a, as globally, I think it's the same thing. People 
the cost of living has gone up so much that people who may have had an idea to do something or change their career um, similar to how you have, it's even more daunting than before because the cost of living is just crazy. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Vancouver, BC, but um, uh, for for those listeners who know where I am, um, she's in the other Vancouver. Probably the original (laughs) Vancouver is the better way to say it. Um, uh, Vancouver, BC. I'm in Vancouver, Washington, and the cost of living here is just nuts. It's like, like minimum if you're renting anywhere, it's twenty five hundred bucks. Who has twenty five hundred dollars on uh, regular minimum wage income? Nobody. Right. It's it's just you're setting the nation of people that you have up for success by just allowing this to continue. So. I literally had this very passionate conversation with my mother-in-law before coming in here to t- um, start the podcast about the same thing. People have childcare expenses. They have food expenses. They have rent expenses. They have all these things that just mount up and up and up and up. All they want to do is, is have a career that's successful or whatever that can provide for their family. But there's, there's not a lot of options out there. And, um, you see the classic ad in the paper, um, experience needed (laughs) and everyone goes well how am i going to get experience if i can't get the Mm -hmm. job that is going to give me that experience the classic conundrum yeah right so um honestly it's 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 a subject that seems to ring in many conversations around the world currently even more so because of the situation the world is in economically um because cost of living and pricing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's crazy because I've literally just come back from Ireland and seen the other side of the coin, how the other half lives, so to speak. And it's the cultural differences are very, they're huge, but there's also that cost of living doesn't change. It's, it's the same cost of living so to speak nowhere is cheaper than anywhere else it's just certain things are cheaper and the other costs are higher and it's just kind of it levels itself out like mm-hmm. everyone goes oh my gosh gas is so expensive over here i was like no we we pay per the per liter over in in the, in europe and you're you're saving you're not paying much in gas at all and it's just like this constant conversation so um but yeah uh, i digress um the 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 big, the big thing for me is that, you know, it's finding that courage to, yeah. to pursue your dreams and go, go down this road road. And like you, um, you literally just went for it. There was, mm-hmm. I'm sure there were struggles. There was pitfalls. There was things that made you doubt the decision you made, but you stayed, you stayed strong and stayed the course, so to speak. Yeah. For me, it was like I actually had ill-placed confidence in hindsight. Um, I had all the confidence in the world thinking, oh, my business degree is all I need. I'm going to figure this out. I'm just going to write a business plan. It's all going to be hunky-dory. And it was so hard. Um, If I could go back, I would do so many things differently. But, you know, confidence and courage is, to me, a mixture of mindset, preparation, and support and so if you can kind of tackle those and just you know really prepare yourself talk to people have a good support team around you learn as much as you can in the industry about the industry that you want to actually start your business in um you know all those things can build confidence yeah um 100 um for me it's like starting anything if you're creating anything or or doing anything you want to um, really soak yourself in that world for as much as possible so you can learn as much about it as possible. Um, so you kind of can navigate that world a little bit better when you do end up trying to um, kind of breach the, breach the wall, so to speak, and, and, and try and play in that, in that, in that world. Um, what made you decide that, uh, I suppose taking care of the elderly or, or going, going down that road. Um, what made you decide that industry was, was the one that needed your attention the most? 
When I started helping clients in the business, what I found really special is the level of appreciation um, and other characteristics that makes the senior demographic, they're just a really special client group. I can't even, I don't know if I can describe it properly, but um, to help someone who truly appreciates your help at a time when they're vulnerable and they have no one else and this feeling that we've made a difference even for a short moment of time in their lives um, is a great feeling and my whole team feels this way like I one of the services for example one of the services that one of my businesses provides is downsizing assistance and so we help people declutter a house, sort through things, figure out what to take if they're moving from a 2,000 square foot house to an 800 square foot condo. And then we set it up for them, right? Now, none of us on my team, including myself, none of us do this because we love going through someone's basement. We do it because at the end of the day, that move day, when we help them unpack and we take all the garbage and boxes away and we've made their bed, we plug in their TV, their phone, dishes are in the cupboards, um, bathroom is set up. Like we set up the whole, we hang art, we do everything, right? And then the client comes in and we unveil their new home. The look on their faces is totally worth it. It's totally worth going through the rat poo in someone's garage and, you know, it, it's all worth it. And everyone on my team feels that way. So it's kind of like we do this for the impact and kind of the end result. Um, and like I say, it's not because I like going through someone's basement or garage. I don't think anyone likes doing that. Um, but I can speak from, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I can speak from experience um, because that's part of what, what, what I was doing in Ireland um, was preparing my my parents for a big move they moved internationally even though it was just across the pond so to speak um to england um it was going through a home that they've been in for 35 years or more um yeah. and um not to call out any 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 things that were were issues in the home but the reason why they wanted to move to begin with was it was just too much home for them so when somebody walks into that situation, no matter who they are, your parents or otherwise, when they say it's too much home for them, they're struggling with maintenance, they're struggling with with, um, upkeep, they're struggling with landscaping, they're struggling with a lot of things. So I walked into that situation as, as a, as the son, as a family member. And yeah, it was upsetting because you're going through things that you remember as a kid. So I literally did what you provide to your clients, but from, from an emotional standpoint. So where you're detached from that emotion, it's just a coloring book to you. I'm going through these things going, Oh my gosh, that's the coloring book that I used when I was a kid, or that's the, the DVD collection that like basically survived help me survive the, the, the boring, the boring days or the rainy days or whatever, when there was no Netflix or, you know, you're just, you, it's, it's like tied in your room and you just find a bunch of stuff and you're like, Oh my gosh, I found this thing. And you end up <laughs> like sitting there for two hours and you haven't accomplished anything. It's yeah. the same idea. Um, but what you also find as well is when you're going through those things, the people who own, um, own the home or own the belongings um, are also emotionally attached to those belongings. So, yes. um, I mean, you see the the hoarders show on TLC and things like that, but um, that's probably an extreme version of w- what we're talking about. But it is kind of like that. You, you're upset because you don't want to let go of these things. You're downsizing. You're you're letting go. Um, yeah. Like us, we, we moved internationally. There's no way we can take everything with us. So um, we're, we were downsizing and yeah, it was, it was hard. It wasn't an easy choice to make. There was things that were left behind and um, it, it's, it's a big, big, big 
emotional, traumatic sometimes move for people to be able to move out of a home that they've been in for so yeah. long. Have you, yeah, have you, so, so going through, going through that now that you've, you've brought this up, like you've had many, many clients, has that ever become an issue for you? Oh, almost all the jobs. So um, it's such a, it's such a good insight that you've um, just made around the emotional element of um, what it takes to downsize and having a third party be objective and not having that emotional backstory to every item in the home. Um, the, it certainly takes a certain skill that you develop and you have to come with naturally a very high level of empathy to do, to, to help someone with this, this experience. There's, um, it's been said that, and I think there's a statistic, although I don't know the numbers, but there's like in the top three most traumatic things a senior can go through is loss of a spouse, loss of a driver's license, and moving. Right. Apparently those are the top three. 100%, and yeah. So it is one of the most um, traumatic things. Um, I always tell people if you're feeling anxiety, you're not alone. It would be odd if you didn't because most people do have a lot of anxiety. And part of our job is we have to try to manage that and feel like, like one of the things we say to people is we're going to make this as stress-free as possible for you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because it is a lot of stress for sure. But you also have those disassociated emotions because they yeah. don't, they're, they're, they're having anxiety, they're having fear, they're having all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And instead of, um, it's they're almost aiming those emotions at the wrong things a lot of the time. Like for me, it was um, their anxiety kicked in because they were moving mm -hmm. and the reality of moving was starting to scare them or it was something that, um, you know, it's a big move. It would scare anybody, but it's um, because it was being triggered by what you were doing. All of a sudden you're, you're having these arguments or you're having these um, high stress conversations where, well, no, I don't want to let go of that. Oh no, this is mine. I don't want to let go of that. It's like, but well, hold on mm. a second. Do you want to move or do you not want to move? <laughs> so we've never encountered a situation where it's become a huge problem. We've always been able to manage it. I have to say, um, because it, I mean, there's a certain amount of reasoning and compromise and ultimately the client is the client. And so if they really need to bring what we think is way too much stuff, we find a way to, I mean, either there's compromises to be made around storage, or we find a way to, um, for example, if there's like bookcases of photo albums, we help them digitize it. So then you reduce it right. to a, a much smaller amount of space. So there's, there's different ways around it. And everyone has different priorities. Like once we, we moved a woman who was in her eighties that had been in her home for 80 years, 80. Wow. wow. And there had been three generations of her family living in the same house and she was the last sole survivor in her entire family tree. And she wasn't married and she didn't have any kids. And interestingly, she had no attachment. She was okay with whatever we suggested. And she downsized from like a 5,000, 6,000 square foot home to about a thousand square foot apartment. Wow. Yeah. And then... On the other extreme, we, we do see people that are very attached and their um, their new home ends up just being way too cluttered, way more cluttered than we would like. Um, you know, luckily, some of our clients, most of our clients have moved more than once. And so people who have moved a few times already, they were already used to this feeling of having to let go of things. And right. being practical and pragmatic about right. this decision. So, yeah, it's yeah, just a whole mix. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very different um, conversation when you're speaking with a family member versus speaking with someone you've hired to do what you want them to do. And maybe yeah. it's a, and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe all the kids everywhere just need to go out and hire a company like yours or hire you. Um, if you're in, like, this is, this people, there's people in Ireland, there's people in America, there's people in Canada, there's people all over the world that listen to this. And so whatever service is like yours, I haven't heard of a service like yours, so you're very unique. Um, so maybe there's a franchise opportunity there, <laughs> Stephanie. Um, but um, I think it is a major difference when you're consciously deciding to pay someone or hire someone to do this move. So when those subjects come up, it's a very different conversation to when your son is going, hey, this needs to go, or um, because the emotions are, are, are less regulated because you're you're more inclined to have a uh, an argument with your son versus <laughs> having an argument with somebody you've already decided, hey, look, we signed the agreement, here you go, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that's a differentiator, yeah. but I, I think what you're doing is absolutely outstanding. It's it's um, ha having gone through the process myself and also gone through the process with my parents. It is um, an amazing service that you're providing. Um, so kudos to you for even that's a company on its own. So um, well done you. But that's not the end of it. What else do you do for yeah. for these people? So I have a second business. So it is like, you know how I told you the first five years were like just such a nightmare and so difficult. I feel like it's what mothers say about having kids. You forget the chain, the pain of childbirth. And it's like, I, I forgot how difficult it was. I decided to start a second business um, while my first business is still ongoing. So, um, you know, the first business did get easier. It got easier after the fifth year, the 10th year, then the 15th year. And through helping all these families, I actually saw a supplementary need or a secondary need to maybe make an impact on the home care industry where I saw so many people struggling to find good home care to keep their parent at home. Gaps in the public health care system here in Canada, gaps right. in the private pay system where it got too expensive or it just wasn't working. And so I started a company, um, my second company is called My Care Base, to try to improve certain things in the whole kind of home care model um, where care workers could make a good wage to make a sustainable career out of home care. So you have, it starts off with having a good pool of caregivers to support the seniors. And then the second thing we really wanted to change was giving the families choice and complete visibility to feel like they could have a direct relationship with that caregiver. Um, and although we, we are the intermediary that vets them and recruits them, we place the caregiver and we really try to get out of the way after that. Wow. Well, um, so the, the, the businesses are very closely related, but uh, yeah. also very different. Um, between the two, what were, um, what business had the bigger challenges and ha like having a second business, it's much like having a second child. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, when you have your first kid, it's like, oh my gosh, it's too hot. Oh my God, it's too cold. Oh my God. They're, they're walking in bare feet, put socks on. Oh my God. Oh my God. They're going to fall. Oh my God. Now I'm, I'm going through it myself. I have an 18 month old little girl and you know, Rory, who's my four-year-old son, um, we were like all over and babying and could honestly have spent thousands of dollars on bubble wrap just to make sure he was fine. <laughs> um, but um, with with Charlotte, it's a very different dynamic. Like, yeah, okay, we're still parents. We're not going to just go, oh yeah, here, hold that knife for me, will you? It's not like that. It's very, but it's very like more relaxed. It's kind of like, oh yeah, we've done this. It's cool. Yeah. And, and yeah. so she's more even like, she's a completely different baby. Like she's, we call her uh, our food baby because she just eats anything. Whereas with, um, with Rory, with Rory, it was a different ball game. He was, he was very picky and I'm, I, I've got a lot to blame for that one. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, 
you know, we, we go a different route and, you know, just like that. So between the two businesses, you know, what were your biggest challenges? And obviously with your second business, even though you've done it before, did you have challenges that you never for, uh, foreseen coming because the first business was just a completely different facet of, yeah. of the industry that you're in? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the first business, the challenge was I was all alone kind of doing it by myself. I didn't, um, one of the things that I would do differently if I could go back in time is I would have gotten more support around me. Um, it was a very lonely time. And I think a lot of solopreneurs go through this. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of money where I didn't need to spend it because I really didn't know what I was doing in, in hindsight in the first few years. And the second business, I didn't make those mistakes. I um, had a lot more support. I had an internal team. I have advisors. I have a board of directors. Um, a lot more people to um, to boost my morale, help me um, practically speaking, and just overall support. Um, I also was more careful about money management, and I knew what wasn't worth. Um, you know, I spent more time thinking about what would be worth spending money on and what wouldn't. Um, you also apply your learnings around like marketing tactics, how to build an audience, um, customers and so forth. So definitely in some ways, the second business was much easier. Um, but one of the other differences was, um, in the first business, I operate in a business where there isn't a ton of competition. It's actually very manageable. Um, but in the second business, it's very competitive against giants, um, the incumbents who have really deep pockets in an industry that's very mature and saturated. So there's very large home care companies, for example, and delivering a home care model that hasn't changed in a few decades. Um, and they're very large franchise companies. And right. um, so that part is hard because it's like a very small company trying to disrupt a very mature industry and that has been difficult and finding customers on a shoestring budget because we're bootstrapping um, Mm. has also been difficult. Wow. Um, So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you didn't, you didn't make the same mistakes, but you found all new ones and (laughs) find it's, it's It's uh, like kids, right? They're different. You have challenges with one that you don't have with the other. It, 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 it is, it's, it's, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, for, for all the, you know, I've had many different jobs and many different things that I've done in my life. And, um, you know, parenting is by far the most challenging out of everything I've done, but it is, um, much like what you're saying, you, you know, you learn, you learn from your mistakes, so to speak, or, or things that didn't work. And you try whole new ones and then you make more mistakes along the way. Yeah. And then you just learn to build on those, those things. Um, you, you mentioned you have a board of directors. Um, I'm sure the, the conversations that are had are, you know, talking you out of situations as well as talking you into them. So, you know, it's, it's always good to have for, for entrepreneurs or people who are aspiring to start their own business. It's always good to surround yourself with people who know more than you do it's totally it's you know I, I i don't know if you watch shark tank i watch shark tank i'm a huge shark tank fan if 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 um my wife if my wife is was in the room she would be nodding her head profusely because she hates shark tank and i always watch it um but it's one of the things that they always say is when you're building a team always have people around you that know more than you do because yeah that's the value of having a team. Otherwise, why do you have them? They're, they're just cheerleaders. You know what I mean? Exactly. I totally a hundred percent agree. The other thing um, that I learned, and again, it sounds so simple, but it took me a while to figure this out, but now I wholeheartedly believe in this. Don't be scared to ask for help. I think a lot of people get worried about what people will think of them. Um, If you ask for help, it makes you seem like you don't know what you're doing or it makes you seem weak 
in fact, no, it takes a village to really achieve anything meaningful. And so you cannot do anything meaning like big, you can't accomplish big dreams on your own. And um, so I've gone to the mindset where I'm willing to ask anyone (laughs) for help, anyone who's willing (laughs) to help, come help me, Um, you know, join our cause to, you know, improve home care. Um, So yeah, don't be scared to ask for help. That's a, it's a great, it's a great tip of advice um, because you're right. You know, a lot of people are just too proud or they don't know how to ask. It's one of those things that where you're, um, you're kind of, once again, you're putting yourself in a mindset where how do I ask this person for help? It's very simple. Just say, Hey, can you help? Yeah. Worst <laughs> people... is they're going to say no. That's mm-hmm. the absolute worst that could happen. Right. It's, um, it's incredible. Um, what we do to ourselves psychologically that, that puts us in a position where we're, we're, we're just, we're, um, Mark Cuban said it, get out of, get out of your own way is the biggest tip he's ever given an entrepreneur is get out of your own way. Yeah. Psychologically, it makes a lot of sense because we do stand in our own way a lot of the time because we're, we're fearful or we're cautious or whatever. Sometimes we just got to seize the day and, and see what happens. Now that could end up with you losing the house. (laughs) It, it, you know, these are, these are the, 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 what, what it's all right for him. He's a billionaire, but you know, it's like, um, he, he, he says it like it's, Oh, if you lose a house, it's just casualties of war. No, it's not. It's my house. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it does, it is relatable in a certain, to a certain extent, because, you know, much like your situation, you started the business, you were all alone. You, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety. There was, you were cautious. Um, but you learn from all that and you found the strength within yourself. And then by doing that, you also, um, didn't learn from your mistake in the sense that you decided, Hey, let's, let's do it again. And, but this time I'm not going to be on my own. I'm not going to, uh, um, have like an empty room or, uh, you know, not have advisors or anything. You, you surrounded yourself with a team that was able to support you. So thereby giving yourself room to kind of grow and learn new things about opening a business or like you said, marketing, there's so many different challenges within opening a business. Um, I don't think there's anyone that's a perfectionist or, or I would say a pro at it, but, um, there are, there are things that work in some scenarios and things that don't work. Um, I wasn't joking about the franchise idea, by the way, you're, you're what you're doing okay. is an absolute amazing thing for for people who are or have been in situations much like my own where they don't know how to take care of their parents in the latter years they don't know what to do they they're lost they really are yeah so um tell me who this is a question just because you're 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 very you're you're a charismatic individual you're you're inspirational yourself but where where does this all come from? Who has inspired you to be as successful that you are? Um, that's a good question. I wish I could have thought of that in advance. You know, someone who actually has been impactful to my way of thinking is, um, have you heard of Brene Brown? Say that again, sorry. Have you heard of Brene Brown? No, I haven't. No. Um, she is a author, speaker, um, researcher, but she studies vulnerability oh, among wow. other things. And so one of her first books was, and what she speaks on, and she's done in like a Netflix, uh, uh, special. Um, she talks about how vulnerability, like you shouldn't be scared of being vulnerable or being seen as vulnerable. In fact, it's, it should be a strength. And, um, it um, really resonated with me, um, her book and her um, talks, because I've come around to realize what exactly she means around 
being vulnerable and asking for help, this is what it goes back to, is um, uh, people, I think, generally are good and want to help. Yes. And so you shouldn't be scared to ask for it because sometimes even if they can't help you, um, they might say, well, I can't help you, but I know someone who can. And then that person ends up being twice as good as the help you thought you were going to get from the first person. <laughs> right, like it ends yes. up being better than right. you imagined. Yeah. Yes. Um, I forgot your question. What was your question? <laughs> we, we, we're just rambling on at this. No, I'm I, um, I forgot no, what question uh, I was uh, answering. Who, you did answer it. It was uh, who inspires, who inspired you to. Do ah, yeah, yeah. She's one of, she's definitely one of um, the people. Who else would inspire me? Um, I don't want to be cliche, cliche and say like Oprah, um, but I don't know who else. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. No, I don't know. Wow. Well, there you go. There's something to take away from this and maybe yeah. kind of sit there and um, figure that one. To be honest, um, like I said, you're you're an inspiration ind individual yourself. I think the inspiration may have come from the fact that you want to you want to be successful or you want to just get away from something that wasn't f fulfilling your 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 desire to kind of just get out of bed for something that wasn't just monotonous and, and not fulfilling. Um, yeah. But um, you know, what you're doing is, is just fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing cause, but it's a, it's an incredible business and, you know, disrupt away as far as uh, caregiving goes, because, you know, there's, there's so many stories out there and um, it could be a podcast all on its own um, with, with hundreds of episodes about horror stories about caregivers and things that have gone wrong or people who exploit these um, vulnerable people who are just seeking help. So it's, it's important that people connect with businesses like your yours mm -hmm. that are being genuine and that come from a good place and that have um, clear directives to, to literally have an end result that means that your client is happy at the end of the day. Um, you know, there are, there are so many people throughout the years that were there to make a quick buck and it was such an easy thing to do. And, um, and yeah, I've, like I said, I've heard so many stories and, um, no people who've gone through it as well, as far as caregivers or, or, um, homes that were just, um, it was like a, it was like something, out of a horror movie or something like that, yeah. it would give you nightmares. So yeah, just connecting, connecting with businesses like yours is probably um, a very big, big thing that's going to happen after this podcast, just because it, it needs to happen. Um, so Stephanie, tell me, um, you know, the two businesses that you're the first one, first of all, how do we connect to that? And is there a website? And the second one, mm -hmm. how do we connect with that? And then obviously we'll, um, uh, see if there's another way of community social yeah. networking or whatever. Sure. Um, so the best way to reach me directly through either business is just my email. Um, but if you can find the website, so the first business is called home to home and the second business is called my care base. And if I can give you maybe the websites to put in your episode uh, details, but on each website, there's a contact form. So you can either email me directly or you can go find the website, read a little bit about the businesses and fill in the contact form. And that comes into my email anyway. So um, either of those ways. Awesome. Awesome. And just so people aren't scrambling and crashing the car or having issues with their their <laughs> their travel because they're trying to figure out, I need to get the communication or contact details. They will be in the notes of the episode, but um, your email um, is stephanie at mycarebase.com, yep. correct? Yeah. So if anyone is interested in either of these two services that Stephanie is providing, um, she she doesn't ignore her emails. Um, she will definitely get back to you in a timely manner. Um, but the, you'll be so happy once you connect, just like I've been this evening. Um, the conversation is 
amazing. So thank you so much for being being on the episode. Um, but it's just it's such a it's such a great feeling to connect with people like yourself who are who are starting businesses that make a difference. It's not just like mm-hmm. it's even though I'm sure it it does it does feel good when you look at your bank balance and things are going in the right direction. Um, you know, it, it's also very enriching to to know that in in an economic situation and a world that kind of has been steeped in negativity, that there are people like yourself that are starting businesses that are really just positive through and through. So um, kudos to you for that, Stephanie. That's a, an amazing, amazing thing. Um, but for those who, who didn't get it the first time, Stephanie at MyCareBase.com dot com um the website by the way is very informative it's very clear it's very easy to use i was doing the research before we came on air and it was it's just seamless for those who for even those who aren't very technologically savvy you can get on your phone it's an it's really really clear there's so many things Mm -hmm. you can um, and resources on there um to make you feel a little bit more at ease with um maybe making that connection. So definitely do check out the website. That's um, it's, it's going to be in the notes as well, but my care, my care um, So that is another episode of the unscripted perspective. What I can say to you is that we will be back again next week, but thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for being on air with me this evening. It's just been a fantastic conversation and really something like I said to you before that has resonated very highly with me just because of the last two years of, of my life have been kind of really just thrown all over the place for the this, this same stuff that you are, you're selling and, and doing because, you know, there is no resources out there for people. So like I said, mm-hmm. um, franchises are a great idea, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You planted the seed in my mind. Yeah, you just need to get like an office in Europe and an office in America and, you know, we'll, we'll, um, and then just, hey, your board of directors are going to be loving this episode, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So again, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. This has been another Unscripted Perspective. We will be back again next week with another interesting and uh, amazing guest. Until then, uh, be safe and, um, as we kind of were talking about, show a little bit of grace. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to leave us a rating or review on your favorite listening platform. Be sure to keep in touch with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Unscripted Perspective. Or you can visit us at www.theunscriptedperspective.com. Come on.